Chapter forty seven of Half a Century by Jane Grey Swisshelm. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Out into the world and home again. In my first lecturing winter, I spoke in the Hall of Representatives, St. Paul, to a large audience and succeeded past all my hopes. I spoke there again in the winter of sixty one and sixty two on the anti slavery question and in a public hall on women's legal disabilities both were very successful and i was invited to give the latter lecture before the senate which i did the hall was packed and the lecture received with profound attention interrupted by hearty applause the senate was in session and general lowry occupied his seat as a member it was a great fall for him to tumble from his dictatorship to so small an honour he sat and looked at me like one in a dream and i could not but see that he was breaking i hoped he would come up with others when they began to crowd around me but he did not i had come to be the looked at of all lookers the talked of of all talkers was the guest of george a nurse the u s attorney dined with the governor and was praised by the press i was dubbed the fanny kemble of america and reminded critics of the then greatest shylock of the stage a judge from ohio said there was not a man in the state who could have presented that case women's legal disabilities so well indeed i was almost as popular as if i were about to be hanged a responsible eastern lecture agent offered me one hundred dollars each for three lectures one in milwaukee one in chicago and one in cleveland i wanted to accept but was overruled by friends who thought me too feeble to travel alone and that i would make more by employing an agent they selected a pious gentleman whose name i have forgotten and we left st paul at four o'clock one winter morning in a prairie schooner on bobsleds to ride to la crosse one of the passengers was a pompous southerner who kept boasting of the buck niggers he had sold and the niggers he had caught and his delight in that sort of work his talk was aimed at me but he did not address me and for hours i took no notice then after an unusual explosion i said quietly can you remember sir just exactly how many niggers you have killed and eaten in your day he looked out on the river and seemed to begin a calculation but must have found the lists of his exploits too long for utterance for he had spoken not another word when we reached la crosse where he took cars for madison wisconsin we reached that beautiful city of lakes in time to meet news of the fort donelson fatal victory that victory made so much worse than a hundred defeats by the return to their masters of the slaves who remained in the fort and claimed the protection of our flag the victory which converted the great loyal army of the north into a gang of slave catchers alas my native land all hope for the preservation of the government died out in my heart what could a just god want with such a people what could he do but destroy them that victory was celebrated in madison with appropriate ceremonies men got drunk and cursed niggers and abolitionists sat up all night in noisy orgies drinking health and success to him who was the synonym of american glory the excitement and sudden revulsion against abolitionists with the total incompetence of my agent caused a financial failure of my lecture 
but I made pleasant friendships with Governor Harvey, Professor Carr, and their wives. I started along the route we had come, and everywhere, in cars, hotels, men were hurraying for Grant and cursing niggers and abolitionists. The hero had healed the breach between the loving brothers of the North and South, who were to rush into each other's arms across the prostrate form of liberty. Thank God for the madness of the South, for that sublime universal government which maketh the wrath of man to praise him. Even in that hour of triumph for despotism I did not doubt, but freedom would march on, until no slave contaminated the earth. But before that march this degraded government must share the fate of that other Babylon, which once dealt in slaves and souls of men. My first small-town lecture was another financial failure, and in the hall I paid and dismissed that highly respectable incubus, my agent. That night I slept in a hotel, and going to a bed which had not been properly ventilated, wondered if it could be my duty to breast that storm of popular frenzy. Could I at any time be required to drink tea out of a coarse delf cup, and sleep in such a bed? luxuries i wanted none but a china cup silver spoon and soft blankets were necessaries of life as i lay uncertain always whether i slept i seemed to sit on a projecting rock on the side of a precipice draped with poisonous vines there was no spot on which i could place my feet while out of holes snakes hissed at me and on ledges panthers glared at me with their green fiery eyes and the tips of their tails wagging Far below lay a lovely green valley walled on both sides by these haunted precipitous banks, but stretching up and down until lost in vista. I knew that to the right was north, the direction of home, and to the left south, the way out into the great unknown. If I could only reach that lovely valley and the clear stream which ran through it, but this was a vain longing until there appeared in it a young man in a gray suit and soft broad-brimmed black felt hat he came up the precipice toward me and a way made itself before him until he held up his hand and said come down i saw his face and knew it was christ after seeing that face all the conceptions of all the artists are an offence moreover the christ of to-day in the person of his follower has often come to me in the garb of a working man, but never in priestly robes. He led me down the precipice without a word, pointed northward, and said, Walk in the valley, and you will be safe. He was gone, and I became conscious that I had been seeking popularity, money, and these were not for me. I must go home, but first I would try to repair the loss incurred by that agent. I lectured in a small town, a nucleus of seven-day Baptist settlement, and was the guest of the proprietor who had built a great many concrete walls. Coming out into a heavy wind, I took acute inflammation of the lungs. My hostess gave me every attention, but I must go home, for my symptoms were alarming, so took the train the next morning with my chest in wet compresses, a vial of aconite in my pocket, and was better when by rail and schooner I reached the house of the good Samaritan Judge Wilson of Winona here i was made whole lectured in winona and other towns and got back to st paul with more money than when i left i started for home one morning in a schooner at one the next morning our craft settled down and refused to go farther the snow was three feet deep 
it had been raining steadily for twelve hours and when the men got out to pry out the runners they went down down far over their knees the driver and express agent were booted for such occasions but the two germans were not myself these four and no more were down in the book of fate for a struggle with inertia it was muscle and mind against matter to the muscle i contributed nothing but might add something to the common stock of mind the agent and driver concluded that we should take a horse and go to the nearest house two miles back to get shovels to dig us out i asked if there were fresh horses and men at the house no how far is it to st cloud six miles are there fresh horses and men there oh plenty if you dig us out here how long will it be before we go in again this they did not know then had not the driver better go to st cloud with both horses the horse left here would be ruined standing in that slush but madam said the agent if we do that we will have to leave you here all night well i said i do not see how you are going to get rid of me so the driver started with the two horses on that dreadful journey had i known how dreadful i should have tried to keep him until morning as he left i made the germans draw off their boots and pour out the water rub their chilled feet and roll them up in a buffalo robe the agent lay on his box i cuddled in a corner and we all went to sleep to the music of the patter of the soft rain on our canvas cover at sunrise we were waked by a little army of men and horses and another schooner into which we passed by bridge we reached st cloud in time for breakfast and were greeted by the news that general lowry had been sent home insane he was confined in his own house and his much envied young wife with her two babies had become an object of pity End of chapter forty seven